Matthew Steele has our main sermon today, Rest to Enter Rest. Sir, if you would come and bring that to us. Good afternoon. My name is Matt, and I'm a sinner. That was an excellent message, Reg. I appreciate it. I think it'll go with, with what I've got prepared today. You know, uh, I was trying to remember where it was, um, but there's a, there's a little village in England somewhere. Um, I can't remember the name of the village. Either during the feast or the Days of Unleavened Bread, so my memory is certainly not working very well. We were, um, my dad, myself, a selection of brethren from the church, we were, were out for lunch. And we had eaten um, at uh, probably a pub, sorry. Um, had a good pub lunch, maybe a, a pint of beer, back when I could drink beer. Remember those days. And then after lunch, we were kind of, I don't know, milling around. Maybe it was, we were waiting for um, second services or something. I, I, I don't know. But um, I have a suspicion it was during the feast. We realized there was this little English church. Mark knows what I'm talking about. A typical stone building, kind of quaint, maybe a little you know, graveyard next to it. And everybody decided, hey, let's go. Let's go and look inside. Because in lots of these villages, the church is just open. Um, most of the country churches and, and country villages, that's still the case. You can just walk inside. You can take a moment. Uh, maybe you could pray. Uh, maybe read a Bible. Of course, remembering back from King James and his order that the Bible should be made available in English in every church. And so, of course, there's always a Bible open to, you know, the, the priest or the pastor's favorite scripture or whatever that may be. Maybe sometimes you'll catch an organist practicing, uh, preparing for their, their services. So we entered into this church, and it's a, it was a typical English church, stone building, old, not especially old, but you know, about three or four hundred years old, so not too old. Because I've been in churches that are a thousand years old. But we walk through this huge, heavy oak door, you know, and it creaks, and you walk in, and it's cool, and it's quiet, and it's dim. Probably not any lights on, even, just illuminated coming through the stained glass windows that tended to be higher up around the walls. And this, there's all kinds of things dotted around. There's, there's wall hangings with various depictions. And this, the stained glass windows with you know, prophets and priests and disciples and, and Jesus depicted just glowing from the light outside. And then there's flags hanging from the ceiling of this church with various military regiments and names of men that have sacrificed their lives in the course of great wars, you know, and these individuals from their 
the local village. And you, you immediately get a sense of community, that this was the place where people worshipped, where they lived, where they remembered, where they were maybe, you know, buried as well. Very much the heart of a community. And I remember this very distinctly, and I always remember, remember this when I read a certain passage of scripture, because there was a, a friend of mine, an older gentleman in the church, who was ahead of me. And he's just looking around, and everybody's enjoying it. And I'm kind of a younger guy, and I'm wondering how long we're going to have to spend here before we can get on to doing something more fun. And he turns around, and he has this look of wonder on his face. And I'm like, well, what's so amazing? And he reads this scripture that is above the door that we just walked in. And it's carved in the stone, the scripture. And it's Hebrews chapter, nine, uh, chapter 4 and verse 9. There remains, therefore, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now, at the time I was like, well, that's not amazing. I mean, you find scriptures all over the walls in churches, don't you? And even though I was observing the Sabbath by that time, I, I, I guess I still didn't quite get it. He was just amazed at this, this scripture. And not just the scripture where it said, there remains a rest. It actually had Sabbath rest in it, which is even more interesting. So I just thought, well, George is just kind of, he's a little odd. And he would... He would tell you that. He's, he's a little character, strange fella. But he was a beautiful man, very gentle, very kind. And he was just amazed at this. And, and so I took notice of it. And every time I read that scripture, I'm reminded of him. And he has entered that rest. He's already there waiting for us. So. I think about the scripture, and I think about, well, what does that mean? Because there was a time when churches believed in a Sabbath. And that might sound a little odd today, right? Because you can go to Friday night church, you can go to Saturday night church, you can go to Sunday church. I mean, maybe we'll start having 24-7 church, I don't know. But there was a time when churches really believed in a Sabbath, not just Sunday go to church. Now maybe, um, you know, as we believe, of course, they had the day wrong. But they at least believed that you should keep a Sabbath. That it was the day that you should set aside for meditation, for prayer, for it to be different from the rest of the week. For there's something to be unique about that day. I remember as, as a boy, Sunday in England was a very quiet day. In fact, most of the kids were not allowed to play out in the front, right? You could play in the back so the neighbors don't know that you're playing on Sunday. We're pretty loud kids. <laughs> but still, there was this notion in society that we're quiet 
on the Sabbath. We're more contemplative. We're, it's different. You could barely find a store open. You didn't want to be sick on a Sunday, right? Because the pharmacy that was open was like 18 miles away, you know, uphill by foot. So that day was special. It was unique. And, you know, now <laughs> in England, everything's open. Kind of like here. Walmart, buy alcohol, you can do this, you can do that. There's quite a change from when I was a boy and, and when it was observed, albeit in error, as a Sabbath day. So these words from Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 9, they're carved above, above the door. So you don't see it when you come in. Right? But you see it when you leave. So when the, the, the preachers had his, had his sermon time and beating everybody up and fire and brimstone, and you turn around, you are reminded it's still the Sabbath, folks. You're not running off to the mall. You're not running off to the pub. They used to say what? There's a church on one corner, one end of the street, and a pub on the other. You're not just heading back out into the world. This is still the Sabbath day. And they meant it. That day was supposed to be quiet, restful, different. So you might be wondering, well, what has this got to do with us? Because, hey, we got the right day. We know what the Sabbath is. We observe the Sabbath day. We got this. We're good at this, right? We're all good at this. We got it down. Well, maybe we do. Maybe we do set aside this day to rest. Or maybe we set aside, you know, four hours of this day to rest. You know, drive time to church and then church and then. I mean, I don't know. We all observe the Sabbath in different ways. And that's good. We all should be considering how we should observe the Sabbath. What it means in our lives, individually. But I think you'd agree there's always room for improvement, isn't there? And there's always a danger in assuming we have it. We have it all sewn up. That we understand everything about the Sabbath and how to rest on that day. But there was another group of people, right? There was another group of people that observed the Sabbath religiously. Huh. That's kind of funny, isn't it? Religiously, Sabbath? Okay, maybe not. They kept the Sabbath every week. Everyone around them kept the Sabbath every week. And yet, they completely missed the point of the Sabbath day. It's lost on them. These people we know as the nation of Israel. The people of Israel. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1, the writer says this, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. 
who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all of his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant. For a testimony of, the, of those things which be, would be spoken afterward. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope, firm to the end. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was angry with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath that they should not enter my rest. You know, we tend to forget sometimes the conditions that Israel lived under in the wilderness. Because it's not, like, it's not like what we have today. Uh, I'm not going to keep the Sabbath today. Okay. There's no consequences, right? At least no immediate consequences. Who's going to know? I mean, we could choose to do that. We're not going to get arrested. We're not going to get brought before the judge. There's no seemingly physical consequences. There were severe consequences for the people of Israel if they failed to keep the Sabbath. And so Sabbath keeping was a universal thing in Israel, I'm pretty sure. Right? It probably wasn't violated very often. And yet, with that religious observance, every Sabbath, they still missed the point. So, can we assume that we understand everything about the Sabbath just because we observe it? For 40 years, they observed it. The writer of Hebrews is unimpressed by their observance. They miss the point. God said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. That warns us, doesn't it? That tells us that we can be at risk of the same lack of faith, the same lack of understanding. So we've been keeping the Sabbath for 50, 60, 70 years, but we can still either learn more about the Sabbath day or really learn to appreciate it for the first time, perhaps. Don't misunderstand me. Keeping and practicing the Sabbath is vital. But clearly, as Israel's example was, just keeping it, just going through the motions, 
didn't help them any. They were missing a vital ingredient. There's something else that God is trying to get us to understand by their example and by what he's trying to build into us. Something more must be added to our Sabbath observance. He says in verse 12, Beware, brethren, lest there be any in you, any of you, uh, in, in any of you, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exalt one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, through that addiction to sin, right? For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? So they were even led by Moses. They had the revelation from God. And Moses, the, the type of Jesus. And they still didn't get it. Hardened their hearts. Now with whom he was angry forty years, was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who, who did not obey, so that we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So here's one of those keys, one of those ingredients for unlocking the Sabbath. And the benefits of the Sabbath. We must believe. That might sound a little crazy. It's like, of course I believe. I'm here, aren't I? <laughs> so what else is he trying to say? We must have a heart of belief. Belief or faith. I think is critical in Sabbath observance. It requires us to think about it. It requires us to think about what the Sabbath represents, what it means, how God is working with us on the Sabbath day. It requires preparation, doesn't it? You know, we, we're supposed to prepare physically for the Sabbath so that we can have things at hand, easy, for the Sabbath, because we're supposed to rest. Do we prepare that spiritual preparation for the Sabbath? Do we believe it matters enough to prepare for the Sabbath? What are we to believe? What are we to have faith in? The answer, I think, is simpler than we might think. Believe God. We should believe God. Believe what he says. Have faith in what he promises. Trust him. Do what he says to do. It's simple. Yet, as evidenced by the vast majority of Sunday Christianity, it's apparently hard to do. On something as simple as, remember the Sabbath day. 
to keep it holy. <laughs> Just believe what he said. Believe it. Accept it. Trust it. And follow it. And we are grateful that we, we are in that position, right? That we have seen it. We are trusting him, right? We are following him on the Sabbath. Six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Just believe him. Yet, with massive global deception. Right, you know, conspiracy movies are always talking about these grand schemes and wickedness and subverting governments. And yet we see some of the biggest deception and lies about religious observance right here on this subject. And it's, it's just right there and clear to us. Inasmuch as they don't believe God wants us to keep the Sabbath, we also can keep the Sabbath and not believe what he is trying to teach us with it. Maybe not even fully appreciate the lessons of the Sabbath day. Israel did exactly that. They didn't have faith. Later on in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, we find this very familiar passage. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Our physical actions must be coupled with faith. We've set aside this day, this Sabbath day. We rest, we cease from work, from the burdens of earning our living. That of itself is, is beautiful. I am grateful for that. But as we have seen, it is possible to do all those things and still miss the point of what the Sabbath is about, the different lessons it has to teach us. But if we do it in faith, if we do it in faith every week, preparing spiritually for the Sabbath every week, having faith that God will reveal something new about the Sabbath day every week. And it becomes a different day entirely. In Isaiah 58 and verse 13, it says, God says, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, it's kind of an obscure way of saying, if you, if you turn around, Right? You turn yourself around from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly. Then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you to ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You know, implicit in this scripture is the danger, the risk, the possibility that we are not doing these things. Why else would he give us the scripture? 
to warn us, to tell us, hey, look, you know, when you do something regularly, you can start to dismiss it. You can start to maybe not treat it with as much respect. We are to honor this day. Set it aside, honor it, focus, believe what he says. Do we cherish the Sabbath day? Do we honor it? If so, we will be rewarded, right? And, you know, maybe we get rewarded in this life. But many of us can attest that keeping the Sabbath is not always, you know, immediate gratification, right? <laughs> People have lost jobs. People have lost the opportunity for work. Financially impacted because of their observance of the Sabbath. All those things are sacrifices. It hardly seems in the moment, like you're being rewarded. So do you believe God? Do you believe that if you keep the Sabbath, the way he's calling you to keep it, will you believe that he's going to give you that reward? Call this day a delight. Not just get through it. Not just kind of, well, we've got to suffer through Matt's droning sermon again so that we can get to the snacks afterwards. Not just for fellowship, although that is important, but that we, that we enjoy talking about God's word to one another. You know, one of the things he says is, don't talk idly. So when we fellowship, maybe we can step it up a notch, fellowship about the word of God. I'm not saying dismiss one another's experiences and what we're sharing, but just prepare. Prepare for Sabbath. Prepare for fellowship. Prepare to edify a brother or sister that you know is maybe having some difficulty. Believe God when he says if you take the extra energy and time for the Sabbath, you will be rewarded. Being less concerned, perhaps, about where we're going to go eat after services. And more concerned about what we're eating right now. What we're consuming right now in the Word of God. Being less concerned with our own words and more concerned with His. If we can break through into this mindset, get ourselves in this Sabbath mindset, understanding with belief, with faith, and the day becomes more. By faith, as we read back in Hebrews 11, verse 7, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of, right, of the righteousness which is according to faith. Hands up if you have acts of faith that have saved all of humanity. No? Not even some top secret government mission? And You were that close, Ron? You were that close, really? We don't often have that, do we? 
and I'm grateful for that because you guys are in a lot of trouble if I have to you know, do something to save all of humanity. But nonetheless, we are called to have faith. Act in faith. The Sabbath day is an act of faith. And certainly there are times in human history where keeping the Sabbath, resting for an entire day, might seem like a more act of faith maybe then than it is now. You know, your subsistence living. You want me to not look after my farm for a whole day? Are you crazy? If that crop fails, if, if I lose my cattle, what's going to happen to me? Have faith. Have the faith that God will bless you. And he did. He blessed them even when they didn't have faith. And he promised blessings when you come in and blessings when you go out, didn't he? And what an opportunity Israel had. By faith. Believe him. Believe what he says. Believe that he can come for you. Believe that he is for you. And that he's calling you to his Sabbath day as an exercise, as a practice for something else that he's calling you to rest in. That he's going to make his abode with you and your abode with him. We observe the Sabbath with this kind of faith. If we do that, then it becomes far richer, more beautiful. When we load up ourselves in the car or on the bus, as I remember my dad one time on this really tiny motorcycle that like had a hairdryer for an engine. And he would, he would drive like two hours in the driving rain to get to Sabbath services. I thought he was crazy. <laughs> or bicycle. Horse, oxen, whatever you can. Your own two feet. To either get to a place where you can observe the Sabbath or right where you are. You know, we have folks that are online that maybe can't travel. They can observe the Sabbath in faith that they will be rewarded for it. When we do these things, we confess something that really we only often think about at the Feast of Tabernacles, which is good. It's good of itself. But in verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going, by faith dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I believe that the Sabbath day is a mini-feast. A mini feast of tabernacles, or of unleavened bread, or of whatever feast day. But certainly a mini feast of the kingdom of God. Especially when we can fellowship together. Especially. Because we are here together. And the world is out there, away from us. We're resting in God, and dwelling with one another. The Sabbath day. 
time when we get away from all of our turmoil. Now, I forgot to, um, I had my phone silenced before, but I should have put it in airplane mode, which I, I did. And because of my addiction to gadgets, Reg, my watch is plugged into my phone, and I was like, you know, I really need to start putting it in airplane mode. Because somebody from the office called me. And that made me mad. Because they know better. I don't work today. I rest today. And it's interesting, I realized I was getting annoyed. I almost felt like answering it to tell them off. <laughs> but that's maybe part of the faith that we have, or should have. The vehemence. We're protecting this. We're not going to allow anything to diminish the Sabbath day and the blessings that we get from it, the fruit that we get from it. In verse 13, he says, All these died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them far off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Keeping the Sabbath... And everybody else is washing their cars and going to the mall and doing all kinds of other things. It does remind us, doesn't it, that we don't live in the kingdom of God yet. That we look for that city that has real foundations. You know, we're waiting for the time when God exposes to the world how insecure the world's cities are. When he starts to just kind of twist the earth around a little bit. Let's see how well your foundations are made. We want the city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. We want that. And the Sabbath day is an opportunity to be transported there together for just that, that short period of time. And truly, if they had been called to mind the country from which they had come out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By calling this day a delight, by delighting in this day, a blessing, by doing all of this in faith, in belief, in God, you are declaring that this world is not your home. That you are a citizen of another country. That you are a stranger and pilgrim on the earth. If we follow, if we observe this day with belief, with faith, not seeking our own will. And that's, that's a difficult element to master. Especially if you, you know, you suffer from one of those attention deficit disorders, right? Seeking God's will on this day. Doing some study about that. In what way can I seek his will better? In what way can I set aside this time better? Improving our relationship with God. He's called us over to his house to hang out, right? 
on the Sabbath day. You know, and that's something that I think we sometimes forget is that, you know, there are a lot of people of faith in the world and, and you know, maybe it sometimes <laughs> causes some consternation when we see really good people going to church on their own day. And we love them. And we admire them. And we, we see fruit in them. They are missing something. Because God doesn't rest on Sunday. When they go to his house on Sunday, he's out working. Right? He called us to come over when he is there. And what's really interesting is, you know, the scripture we read earlier, talking about the house of Moses, and then talking about the, the he that built the house is greater than the house. God built this house. And it's interesting, isn't it, that when we're commanded to keep the Sabbath, he says, all your men servants, all your maidservants, everything that is in your house. And he intends for everything in his house to keep the Sabbath. And we look forward to that. That will be in the kingdom of God. So let's observe this day with this belief, with this faith, not seeking our own will, but with God together on the Sabbath day. And the reason I believe this is because of what we find in Hebrews 4. So there's a lot going on in Hebrews 4. It, it can get a little confusing as well, as evidenced by the myriad of articles that you can find on the internet well, they have all this uh, doctrinal, what is it, what's the term, doctrinal gymnastics to try and just avoid the elephant on the page when they try and explain what's going on here. In fact, I read this article last night, and it, a lot of great stuff, good stuff, biblical stuff. And it just totally scared around the core of what's right there. So, there are two different words in this passage for rest. And for some odd reason, and I have no understanding why, well, maybe I do. The King James translators just said, oh, we're going to call both words rest and move on with it. Right? But there's actually two words for rest in this passage. The first one is katapohis. Katapohis. Sounds like a curse word in Greek, but. And that, you know, it, it means to, to rest, to, to stop, to rest, to just stay still. And it itself is derived from another word, katapo, which is to be restrained or cease to be rested. And then, of course, we have a third meaning in here, which is what the writer of Hebrews starts to show us this extra meaning derived from how he uses this rest word. So in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Hmm. That's sobering. Same gospel. 
about entering God's rest. It was preached to them as it is to us. But the word which they heard did not profit them. In spite of observing the Sabbath, like we talked about, every seventh day, with severe punishment if you didn't, in spite of hearing the word every holy convocation, right? They just didn't get it. Why? The answer is right here. Because it was not mixed with faith in those that heard it. So, the word of God requires faith to be mixed in with it. So the way I envisioned this when I was reading this, it's almost as though we are these, these molds, right? Not moldy. I mean, maybe some of you are, if you're like Reg and you don't clean your house or something. But, but we're like these molds. And God is trying to pour into us his word, his character, his nature, truth, wisdom, the secrets of the universe. He's trying to pour those into us. Right? But with molds, lots of times you need something to set it up, right? You need something to solidify that which is being formed so that it stays together. Once the mold is stripped away, you want that thing that you were forming to stay together, to be complete, to be full. So, faith. Is that stiffener, that hardener, that which binds the word of God together in us. Without it, we're just going to kind of ooze out all over the place. Right? We are not going to retain our shape. When ritual, when ritual practice and observance are stripped away, if the Sabbath hasn't helped form the nature and the character of God in us, what are we left with? We'll be like Israel. Sabbath's gone away. Huh? No shape, no form, no godliness, no righteousness. So we must mix in that faith into that mixture. And seemingly, that's up to us. We're almost expected to mix in our own faith. For we who have believed do enter that rest. As he has said, I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken of a certain place of the seventh day in this way, saying, And God rested on the seventh day from all of his work, and again in this place they shall not enter my rest. What he's saying is this kind of a convoluted way of saying, I know there was a rest, but you need to understand there's a, another rest in the future. There's another rest to attain. There is the rest that God had on the seventh day. But there's another rest in the future. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience, 
Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not have afterwards spoken of another day. It's really hard once you just accept, right, believe God. Believe what he says. It's hard to miss the meaning in this passage. That there is a future day of rest. A future rest. We put off this worldly work and toil and difficulty and challenge with, as Reg pointed out, every single one of us addicted to sin and the labor that we endure through our entire life to try and cast that off. I want to rest from that. I want to enter his rest. Ceasing the old life and finding rest in God, in the God life that he's put before us. So one thing I want to point out, the word rest up to this point has been this very simple form of rest. This just be restful, cease, rested. But then the writer begins, brings in this new lesson, this new version of rest, which as I mentioned, the King James translators didn't want to use a different word for that because if the layman got a hold of it, they would start to ask some questions about this word. As we read earlier, it says in verse 9, there remains therefore a sabbatismus for the people of God. Different kind of rest. Different kind of rest entirely. It has similarities. It certainly has all the principal elements of resting, of being still, of being restful. But it has something more. Because if you were to look in the Strong's Concordance, any Bible dictionary on this word, you will find tied explicitly to it is the concept of what God did on day seven when he created the earth and everything that we have in it. Because he created something else. He created the Sabbath. It's a seventh day rest. It's not just a holy day. It's not just a religious, religious or ritual practice that we observe. It means something more than that. It's derived from the word sabbaton, which, with its context, is the seventh day Hebrew word Shabbat, Sabbath. It's very clear to all those who will just believe God, that he knows what he's saying and don't engage in this doctrinal gymnastics to explain another day. There is still a need for the practice, the observance, and the blessings of a seventh day Sabbath rest for the people of God. This isn't something we can decide. 
we cannot decide that we can get this rest some other way. And it's really interesting, isn't it, that having this almost childlike view of the scripture and just believing God leads you to a natural question, one that children have asked. So as, as you know, uh, Renee and I, we homeschool our boys, and we're in a particular program called Classical Conversations. It's a Christian-based uh, homeschool curriculum. The motto of it is to know God and to make him know. And a child's mind said, I think to one of its parents, one of the parents that's in the forum, you know, the support group, because all these mamas are going to pull their hair out with all these kids at home. And somebody posted on the forum from their child, hey, it's in the curriculum. They have to memorize the Ten Commandments, right? And the child says, what about this commandment here that says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy? Shouldn't we do this? So the parent puts on the, pretty much, why don't we do this on the forum? And there's all kinds of answers, right? Doctrinal gymnastics at work. There was amazing backflips and all kinds of things. Renee posts on there and she talks about the value and the rich blessings that we get from keeping the Sabbath. And then there's another comment that pops on there, a little combative maybe. Well, I find my rest in Jesus. So you get to decide where the Sabbath rest is. You don't believe God, do you? Don't believe him. And also, you don't obey him. That was one of the things that Israel didn't do, wasn't it? We just read it. They didn't obey. They didn't believe. Of course, it's hard to obey if you don't believe. But they also didn't believe the judgments for not obeying. So, find rest in Jesus. I find my Sabbath rest in Jesus. Well, of course we do. Jesus said, come unto me, all those that are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you different kind of rest. It's anapuo. And it's interesting as you look at that word and it says a temporary rest between burdens, between labors. What's the Sabbath day? I don't know about you, but I've got to go back to chores. I've got honeydews tomorrow. I've got projects for the boys. We've got to prepare for the feast. It's work. And then I've got work work on Tuesday, Right? We have to go back to the work, and then we have another temporary rest again, a Sabbath day. Isn't it amazing? I find my rest in Jesus. Yes, so do we. We join him at his house when he said, come over and hang out on the Sabbath day, the seventh day. And I wish that everyone would understand this. 
I wish that lady would understand this. I hope that child that initiated the, the, the question gets to understand this. The Sabbath day, the rejuvenation day, the rest from our labors. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm not going to argue with him if he tells me when the Sabbath day is. Those that have read the scripture, understood it, and reject it, they're really no different from Israel. And that's not my job to judge. But we also have to be careful in assuming that because we practice the Sabbath day observance, that we really are meeting with God and resting with him and having that spiritual rejuvenation and rest. We must be careful. Paul, the author of Hebrews, cautions us to work at it, to remember the Sabbath day. We must do the will of God. We must stop doing our own thing and instead do his. It could be simple as changing an attitude. You know, I've, of all the holy days that you want to alter the length of time on, atonement comes to mind, right? <laughs> you want to kind of do a, a you know, little prayer and ask for the sun to set quicker. But it's easy also to try and compress the Sabbath day. Well, I really want to, I really want to do this, really want to do that. Eh, no, I probably shouldn't. It's almost over. Can I go by the sunset over the neighbor's house or the actual sunset? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm making fun a little bit, but it speaks to the heart, doesn't it? Of what we're choosing to do on the Sabbath day. Are we delighting in it? Are we saying, slow the sun down? I like this day. Sabbath rest. It's the day set aside for us to be blessed. A day that more than any other day of the week, God can fill us and form us and shape us without the negative influences of the world. It is our day for our AA meeting. It is the day that we can be together and encourage one another. For he who has entered his rest, God's rest, has himself also ceased from all of his works as God did from his. Just do what God did. <laughs> it's not that hard. I wish everyone would see it as we see it. There is so much to learn about the Sabbath. We barely scratched the surface. And we should prepare and we should focus and we should try and learn even more with every passing Sabbath. In closing, I don't want to repeat again the passage that we read earlier. In Isaiah 58 and verse 13, he says, If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, 
if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you to ride on the heights of the earth and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Happy Sabbath.